back uh, another episode of Supply CG, and we are going to continue uh, discussing the 10th chapter, 4th and 5th first. But from today onwards, I'll be doing, I'll be doing like an incantation uh, before we start. So, Hare Krishna and uh, Jay Srila Prabhupada and very I'll nice. Start. Yeah, you start. Yeah. So, Om Gyan, 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 Hey Krishna Karuna Sindhu, Nina Bandhu Jagatabe, Jagatabe, Shukantara, Namo Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prashtaya Vishtale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Dinamine Asthe Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pucharine Vishesha Shrikadadi Vajshati Shatarine Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadara Shri Upasadi Gauravakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna. Okay, all right, Hare Krishna. Uh, we are continuing with the, um, that purport to verse 5 in the 10th chapter, and we were discussing a whole lot of qualities listed here. So we are starting today with Yashas of fame. Rather, we are continuing. Yashas as in... Uh, yeah, it immediately comes to what comes to find this uh, material fame. But here, Prabhupada is giving a different definition. He says, Yashas or fame should be according to Lord Chaitanya, uh, who said that a man is famous when he is known as a great devotee. Um, in our times, uh, there's still some semblance of respect left for people who are inclined towards religiosity, and inclined towards spirituality, they still, but the culture is deteriorating so fast that people are being worshipped literally for all the wrong reasons. I mean, at, uh, uh, at one extreme, you have temples being built. Now, temple is a place of worship. Cricketers uh, for uh, film stars, you know, Rajinikanth, Sunil, um, Sachin Tendulkar. It's absurd. Temple is a place for worship and they put deities in there and worship. So the culture is deteriorating and people are sliding so fast into uh, an abyss of ignorance and darkness that they don't know what is what any longer. Whereas actually a truly famous person is not just someone who excelled or who's made himself or herself popular because of beauty or some achievement in a particular a profession like in cinema, acting or on the cricket field, but person is ideally to be famous if he is a great devotee. That is real fame. If one has become a great man in Krishna consciousness and it is known, then he is truly famous. One who does not have such fame is infamous. This is Prabhupada's definition. Usually when we say infamous, it means notorious. The actual English name, English meaning for infame, infamy or infamous is notoriety. But Srila Prabhupada is using that strong term 
not clear whether he means one who is not a devotee is not famous uh, and uh, he's just used this word infamous that's not clear because it's up to the bbt editors to decide uh, and i don't know if they've edited this or what what they take on this is all these qualities are manifest through the universe and human society and in the society of the demigods there are many forms of humanity on other planets and these qualities are there now for one who wants to advance in krishna consciousness krishna creates all these qualities but the person develops them himself from within uh, you we were just talking about uh, sb keshav swami who was earlier sutapadas indian born in the uk he was just another regular indian taking birth in a foreign land uh, with a clear future charted out for him you know is uh, went to fairly good schools i think the same as the present british prime minister rishi sunak they've known each other they are at least like same same age same peers they uh, grew up in the same part of britain which is of london perhaps and uh, things were going like that but krishna had a special plan for him and he uh, made a commitment to a different uh, lifestyle and a different path and he as in the process developed within himself special qualities which is helping him to help others one who engages in the devotional service of the supreme lord develops all the good qualities is arranged by the supreme lord the logic is that the supreme lord himself has these qualities so it is said it is like um, uh, uh, prabhupad in one purport i don't know if you already crossed it i think we have already crossed it in a previous chapter gives the example of a diamond stone set in gold so uh, basically uh, it is a case where uh, the diamond itself is precious but when it has a setting of gold around it it looks it flashes even more all the reflection and the beauty that's why diamonds are usually traditionally set in gold whether it's earrings or finger ring or whatever so the connection between devotion bhakti and the devotee that surrounding aura of uh, bhakti and uh, the connection with the lord only uh, enhances the good qualities in the person they develop more and more and uh, we have uh, devotee sharing how they are able to give up bad habits they are able to uh, develop uh, good habits i remember uh, there was a south indian devotee uh, he is used to tell the story vidwan goranga is his name uh, he is very much into uh, very very scholarly i think he is now based somewhere in sri rangam at one time he was in um, mayapur and he is quite famous in his own way he is not into this type of preaching where it can reach a large audience it's more a kind of scholarly traditional track so vidwan goranga um, he was supposed to study medicine his father was a famous neurosurgeon in chennai and then he threw he had a stepmother his mother had died when he was young anyway he uh, he was the only son or only child so uh, he threw up everything he threw up the medical course and joined iskon and the father the neurosurgeon who built up a huge practice just couldn't relate to what uh, krishna bhakti was about so he because it was his own nursing home or hospital he had his son forcibly um uh, admitted and given shock treatment to overcome people go to such desperation because they can't figure out and they feel all their life's work is going wrong you know the neurosurgeon 
but in the end uh, i think the neurosurgeon came around to understand that this is some something genuine the son has got on to and then he was ella and later the father came around and because vidwan wanted to be in mayapur he paid for a old but and small flat for vidwan goranga to live peacefully and practice from there and uh, at some point i think the mother stepmother started to notice this is before the mayapur stint the vidwan was a used to be a very untidy person everything would be like normal like maybe a teenager's room he gradually developed a systematic a habit of systematically arranging everything his papers his clothes his belongings being very fastidious about cleanliness so these are changes that came in him scholarly he always was but uh, this hab- habit of being dirty and unclean and uh, indisciplined uh, it, it that all that completely went away so krishna bhakti is like that but krishna starts lending or giving uh, his own qualities to the devotee when he is pleased with the devotee of whatever we find whatever we find good or bad the origin is krishna nothing can manifest itself in this material world which is not in krishna that is knowledge although we know that things are differently situated we should realize that everything flows from krishna so this is the end of a long purport with so many qualities and so many um sometimes radical definition of certain words that only shrila prabhupad can give which he gives here uh, most striking of all was his piece on ahimsa or non violence so now we are moving on to verse 6 shall we chant together yeah yeah mahasaya ಚಾರೋಮಸ್ತಾ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಲೇಷನ್ so the seven great sages and before them the four other great sages and the manus progenitors of mankind come from me born from my mind and all the living beings populating the greatest planets descend from me okay so the seven great sages who are the seven great sages they are uh, yes, the, uh, the ones yes of the rishis the ones that straight away come to mind are vashishta and uh, vishwamitra the sage who was prone to getting angry not narada narada doesn't feature in this then there is jamadagni and there is atri so that makes four then there is bharadwaj did you say bharadwaj sorry i interrupted you not narada then there is bharadwaj there is kashyapa and there is brahma sanasa no 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 these are these are the seven sages that come after brahma's sons refused to procreate the four it will now be described 
the four kumaras sanak sanatana sananda they refuse to have family life so brahma gets very uh, furious and uh, he is then come uh, the seven sages because after the four, after the four kumaras brahma in anger produces rudra that comes from his forehead uh, you know through in a very fiery birth and then come the seven sages and then so on so the seven sages basically the two v's that is vishwamitra the angry one and there is vashishta then there is jamadagni and there is atri atri muni then there is kashyapa so that already makes five then uh, there you have uh, bharadwaj and yeah, the seventh yeah. one bharadwaj atri bharadwaj gautam maharishi jamadagni kashyapa Vashishta and Vishwamitra. Okay, so the seventh one was uh, Gautama Maharishi. I was a bit lost on that. So this is a, it is like giving the genealogy of creation, which is uh, better given in more elaborate elaborately in the Bhagavatam, which you already read. Uh, the seven great sages, and before them the four other great sages, and the Manus. That is the fourteen uh, Manus come from me. born from my mind and all the living beings populating the various planets descend from them so finally what what is being said in this verse is that everything comes ultimately from the lord himself please read the purport the lord has given a geological synopsis of the universal population brahma is the original born out of the energy of the supreme lord who is known as hiranyakashipu and from brahma all the great seven sages and before them four other great sages named sanaka sanaka sanandana sorry sanaka sananda sanatana and sanakumara and the okay, you know these four uh, it's just one minute these four are the four kumaras those oh. who never grow uh, beyond their beyond child the form yeah they remain uh, in baby, that stage that baby, oh, yeah. stages that's right yeah at that stage and they are the personalities that want to meet lord vishnu they want an audience and they are stopped by jay vijaya at the door and uh, at, at, at until then they are impersonalists but they get furious they get very angry and hearing the commotion lord vishnu comes out and seeing his uh, radiance and resplendent form and i think smelling either the garland on his flower garland or the tulasi on his, they in a moment they are transformed to bhaktas they undergo some deep transformation and they become devotees whereas earlier they were impersonalists so because they flatly refuse to obey their father's order and procreate then brahma has to do something he has to create future generations that's how he creates rudra and from rudra then after that come the seven great sages yeah please read on So all these twenty-five great sages are known as the patriarchs of the living entities all over the universe. There are innumerable universes and innumerable planets within each universe, and each planet is full of population of different varieties. All of them are born of these twenty-five patriarchs. Brahma underwent penance for one thousand years of the demigods before he realized, by the grace of Krishna, how to create. Then from Brahma came uh, Sanaka, Sanaka, Sananda. Sanatana and Sanatkumara, then Rudra, and then seven sages. And in this way, all the Brahmanas and Chhatriyas are born out of the energy of the supreme personality of Godhead. Brahma is known as Pitamaha, uh, the grandfather, and Krishna is known as Prapit Prapitamaha, 
the father of the grandfather. Uh, that is stated in the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 11, text 17. All right. So this is like a genealogy, the genealogical uh, synopsis. Uh, we are getting closer now to the Chatur Shloki or the four verses in this 10th chapter, which is called the Chatur Shloki of the, Bhag of the Bhagavad Gita. There's a separate Chatur Shloki in the Bhagavatam also. So in the Bhagavad Gita 10th chapter, verses 8, to 11, 8, 9, 10, 11 of the Chatur Shloki, which contains really the essence or the real goal of the whole Gita. We're not yet there. We have one more verse to cover before we come to it. So, shall we move on to verse 7? Yes. Yeah. Again, so all this information is being given to us to factually convince us of his opulence and mystic power um, because without information you can't get to know a personality and without knowing the personality is very difficult to surrender it's true of anything i mean uh, uh, you see a speaker something might impress you then you want to know more about the speaker where he was born what is his up i mean even a spiritual speaker who is his guru? I mean, what is the lineage, the spiritual? Who did he get Diksha from? Or who did he train under? And so on. What were the influences? What made him turn to a spiritual track? So we, the information helps us to develop faith in that personality. It sharpens our taste to hear from such a person. Therefore, Krishna is giving all this information. Uh, one who's factually convinced of this great power of Krishna's opulence and mystic power of mind engages in unalloyed devotional service. Because it's like, I think that point comes out, comes through, I'm not sure it comes through very clearly in Radhana Swami's journey. What is that? Journey not journey within. Is it the journey within? The first one, the first journey. one. Because he was searching in the Himalayas and he associated with a whole lot of yogis. Uh, and then uh, there is some program which Srila Prabhupada, I'm not sure if it is a Pandal program in Bombay. It probably is. Where somehow I think there was some connect between Srila Prabhupada and uh, Radhanath Swami at that time. He was Richard Slavin. Uh, he was not in monk's clothes or anything. He was a hippie. I think uh, Srila Prabhupada in that whole crowd called him out and asked him to come up and asked him if he had a question. And I think he did have something that was troubling him. So um, he uh, gets the answer he's looking for. 
then it's like a spin off from what he was doing earlier like you know like a fan when it is switched off it doesn't immediately stop it skills rotating so what the impression that that biography gives is that he continues to associate with some himalayan yogis for a little while longer all right by which time uh, they, but by then it just kind of dawns on him and he quits and joins his con he has to inform his uh, wealthy uh, very tra traditionally respectable parents in america he was always a kind of model child never disappointed them in any way now he has to go and tell them he's quitting and taking another path then he spends years in new vrindavan and so on yeah once he gives a story of how after many years of serving in iskon his parents come to india and uh, he they want to see how he is doing and all that so there is a story is a funny story of like when they come when they come to see him they go to some island somewhere near bombay um, and uh, a monkey comes and like snatches the i think the hat or the purse of the His mother mother, mother. Uh -huh. and the girl runs away and so then he goes goes uh, running after the monkey and they go for a long distance and finally uh i think yeah i think they don't catch a monkey or something like that something like that i think I he see. goes to the the monkey i think belongs to some other like food seller or something happened uh -huh. and uh, so he kind of asks for his hat back and something like it's a funny incident he says like you know then after that his parents i don't think he came back ever back to india <laughs> once they came they just they didn't come back to india again Uh, as far as i know yeah, they they had one meeting with shila propat it may have been in america okay and uh, shila propat is very disappointed because he heard uh, somehow i think the parents appeared when the temple is about to close or the program is over or the food the prasadam is over shila propat wasn't there so they come and they wait a little and they go away and when shila propat yes he said it's okay they didn't meet me they couldn't meet me uh, next time but did they give get any prasadam and people just look blankly at each other because i think there was nothing left after the sunday feast so proper gets very angry because once again he's stressing that we don't know after how many lifetimes his parents have even come somehow maybe through the searching of the sun the, uh, in touch with devotees so prasadam acts like uh, one is uh, the third chapter we studied it it acts like a vaccine Uh, it like a vaccination to prevent them from getting sucked further into the pool of ignorance this is material life it acts like a vaccination it bolsters whatever little uh, healthy virus they have got through their sons uh, and devas so got very upset about all that there are lots of interesting stories in that book and oh you are talking from the leelamrita right in the from the uh, leelamrita no no he there was a talk he gave so that he had mentioned He had just mentioned that thing, something. He was explaining about his life, so he was just saying that this uh, this thing happened to him. His parents came back once to see him, but then this monkey came and grabbed this purse or something of his mother and all that. I think after that they said they found it very difficult to stay in India, so they went back. I think that, I'm not sure actually. Like I think that was the. Uh, okay, actually he has a series called uh, New Vrindavan. memories because new vrindavan is this remote place in uh, west virginia which was barren land sub zero temperature nothing there and these devotees were being attacked they were kind of literally bandits roaming there it sound like far fetched stories but they weren't 
food attack who couldn't tolerate culturally they felt great hostility towards these crazy people you know wearing robes and ringing bells early in the morning not allowing others to sleep of course uh, that's which is not true because there was nobody for miles around and to take a bath they would have to come down the hill and uh, uh, break ice uh, in some frozen river and put a bucket and uh, the, there was a toilet but no bathing place it is all kind of almost unbelievably far fetched but they are also very humorous because now these same people who survived been through very rough times in new vrindavan all kinds of things happened there some went to jail some were kicked out of the movement some left came back but when they share these stories actually the world gets to know what austerities these people went to because today after so many upheavals the new vrindavan community is a flourishing community from time to time something happens there somebody was misunderstood or misdealt with and committed suicide that was the last it was an indian and there's a lot of criticism that was handled badly but otherwise as a community the gardens the golden palace the visitors the deity worship the seminars the guest houses you know my friend shamala often goes there for uh, some not often at least once a year she used to go there but so uh, what the early days we need to know what austerities these people put up with amazing things there was some wretched horse that uh, radhanath swami had to get on to to cover the distance it's all very funny there's a lantern that doesn't work the horse goes berserk a mule or a horse he doesn't know where he is heading he falls with serious injuries and he's left there in the forest till someone finds him the next day these bandit types are roaming they come once and attack and loot and break the deities into shatter them into pieces you know and the day, and you're talking of a time when they could even get any message across to india or to the leaders in india you're talking of just a letter that would come slowly after so many days and having only one type of meal or atrocious tasting stuff you know and but then they someone had the brainwave of keeping cows so when the cow was giving milk so much milk so much milk there was paneer every day there was sandesh there were sweets there were people who got so addicted to sandesh very funny story i forget the name of the person who would hide it so that you could eat the whole week and it was so cold that the sandesh wouldn't go bad and people knew then there was somebody who would take the prasadam plate into shila prabhupad's uh, uh, very funny into shila prabhupad's room when shila prabhupad visited twice and stayed there in the better months and this this guy this devotee or servant because he was so overworked with service as shila prabhupad was eating he would have a tendency to fall asleep and he would then suddenly wake up and shila prabhupad said okay you can take away or whatever and uh, when he was uh, coming out with the plate he would stop and eat whatever was left on the plate particularly the sandesh one time he slept and didn't realize shila prabhupad had not yet eaten somehow he was just so faced out you know and he so he went to some corner of the room and quickly ate and shila prabhupad suddenly said okay now bring my food and he was horror struck because he had actually already eaten what was meant for shila prabhupad and how other devotees came running to his rescue knowing his nature and they even today tease him about it i think you know the early disciples whatever bad name they may have now because of many things that went wrong they get got bewildered they couldn't handle situations they were very young or their terrible mlecha culture kicked in when the guru also went from the planet whatever may be the case 
the early days there's a certain bonding between them when you hear these you feel sorry a any animosity we have because we hear so much stuff or read we just feel like forgiving that it was so tough you know if we are put in a desert we don't know what we will do vishwamitra muni great muni he was he is supposed to have done so much tapasya that uh, not just decades but whole yuga something passed and when he opened his eyes he was in some i don't know but it was just barren desert all around and this is the story that is told that he was very hungry and a scrawny dog appeared and he just tore the flesh and ate the dog because he, in desperation you might do anything when there is no help at all and it's also meant to make the point apart uh, akala dharma that there is a separate dharma or set of rules for abnormal times apart akala means when the kala is not normal and prosperous people do all kinds of things whatever is available because hunger is hunger how long are you going to starve you forget all your inhibitions and just eat whatever you can so apart akala dharma is this vishwamitra story so when you think of what they did in nuvrindavan this nuvrindavan memories radhanath swami he has a, uh, the uh, uh, recording is not that good that's when i asked you shall i buy one of those whatever that is called you know like a mic you send me a link i haven't yet got down to it because it he is soft spoken some of the stories are absolutely kind of uh, out of this world the what they went through and uh, there was a whole kind of big tub of kheer or that was all they had one wretched rat was running everywhere and the rat fell in and drowned but the people were so desperate you know uh, oh, that was yeah they just pulled the rat out and pretended nothing had happened and continued to consume that kheer because there was nothing else there to eat so it's uh, anyway it's just extraordinary and we were talking about how uh, i don't know how we got yeah, we were talking about the seven great sages and how chila uh, um, lord krishna gives all this information to so that we get to know his greatness and surrender and submit to him and uh, that way we uh, in order to facilitate that he is giving this uh, so we just read this seventh uh, verse uh, what is the translation one who is actually convinced of this opulence and mystic power of mind engages in un unalloyed devotional service and of this there is no doubt in uh, prabhupad's case i'm not sure that the disciples even necessarily understood krishna's greatness they did it more out of attraction and affection for shrila prabhupad yeah even today they will unashamedly tell you some of them like some of them are growing old or they're terminally ill and you ask them uh, what is your hope or how do you perceive the future uh, some of them are not going to say i have heard these recordings that i hope i will go back to krishna they say they want to join shrila prabhupad in whichever planet and planetary system he and his guru parampara are preaching because lord chaitanya is supposed to be active in some other planet and planetary system and if 500 years after lord chaitanya this bhakti siddhanta the same kind of you know reviving chaitanya worship that then prabhupada has taken some birth somewhere and he is spreading the mission because these are eternal servants they don't just wind up and pack up and say okay i finished uh, starting iskon in this uh, this particular world Please, and the uh, rest yeah this was actually the i would say the the tight rope that i guess maybe prabhupada is playing where he's like because on one hand like uh, he yeah. says that you know um, uh, that you know that the spiritual master is as good as a representative of 
God. So, like, is as in sense that you yeah, have yeah, treated yeah. him as like God, but he is not God. Not God. He's not God. Yeah, yeah. like God. And so, I think that is why what happened is like a lot of people in the uh, in that movement. I think when Sila Prabhupada like uh, initiated some sannyasis, they yeah. kind of they kind of got this mixed message from the Indian God Brothers that right. you know that. Prabhupada, no, there's no actually, there's no Prabhupada. There's like, uh, there's one Prabhupada, his name is Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, and he was the main this Prabhupada basically. And right. so then they ended up spreading a lot of uh, messages, like, uh, you know, that, uh, that you know, that, that, that a lot of the impersonal philosophies started coming inside. That, right, and right, a lot of them, right. saying, and they were like, you know, that I think some of the Sunday, I was reading the books from some of the Sunday, I was saying that uh, Prabhupada, in one sense, like, you know, he's left Los Angeles, which means that. He's kind of abandoned uh, us, and you know, there's no hope, and you know, for everything else there. And they were kind of bringing out this idea that you know, that this spiritual master and all of this is all part of the oneness sort of mentality. That's what that thing was coming in. And um, I think that's what that then he that's when he forms this group and he tries to like you know, he make it very stern to them, like Tamar yeah, yeah, yeah. and like they go to Japan and. He tells them very sternly, like you know, that that the spiritual master is is not God. The spiritual master is as good as God. And but so that means that you know that you have to observe the same. So the thing is, you have to understand that there is a difference between God and the person, you know, your spiritual master. Yeah, yeah. So if it's you a treat fine, like God, yeah. yeah, if you treat him like God, then you then it's like impersonalistic philosophy. Mayavadis, yeah, we become yeah. God, God becomes us, yeah. Mayavadis, yeah, okay. You, you become that, you get that impersonal philosophy, so there's no difference, and then uh, so that's why you need to have that, you understand that, you know, yeah, you need to treat him like God, but he's not actually God, God is God, he says. I think many times he mentioned this, a lot of people are asked him also. So I think when he first initiated the disciples, they asked him, like, like you have to worship, you have to offer arti, like, all these things. Yeah, yeah. They're like so they were very hesitant to accept him as like they thought that they thought that he was asking them to treat them like God, that he is God or something like that. He's like, no, the God is God. He says that as part of the service, like the spiritual master is as good as God. So you treat him like that. Because he's a representative of uh, Krishna. He is right. not Krishna. You you just mentioned the trip to Japan where Tamal Krishna Maharaj uh, you know yeah. went to if I'm not mistaken. In Japan at that time, the, you mentioned you we were looking at the list of authors on that Tulsi Books website, and you saw the name Burijan, Burijana, Burijan. Burijan later went on with his wife uh, Jagatparini. Uh, they uh, lived for years in Vrindavan, and he is practically responsible for starting the VIHG, the Vrindavan Institute for Higher Education, and a very respected figure. But early days, he and his wife. As a Grihastha couple, were preaching in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. And Prabhupada had to give even him a dressing down or a real scolding because they saw much more confusion there. The, 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 the poison had spread there. And Burijan writes a book called My Glorious Master, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Very moving moving account of his time with Shira Prabhupada. It's there in the Veda base. My glorious, yes, yes. Some glorious oh. master. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Remembrance well, of. It's very interesting, you know, how ill-equipped they were for the role 
I mean, his wife Jagatarini. She was an Australian film star with a very bright future, and somehow she got convinced and kicked up the career and moved in here. And uh, somehow the Prabhupada ordered the marriage, and she just landed up. She took flight and everything, and went and told, went to Burijan and said, "I am such and such, and Prabhupada has ordered me to marry you to help you with your mission." And then someone arranged a marriage, but the marriage lasted. There are two children. And the marriage has lasted like what, almost 50 years now. So all extraordinary stories. Of course, there are many other marriages that flopped miserably and you know ended in lot of unhappiness. But this Purijan's, uh, it's worth reading. It's, and yeah, he's very much into the power of chanting. So he holds these workshops in Govardhan in the month of September, October, one week, ten days, called the uh, chanting workshop. Uh, this that's where these books on Japa. how to improve and how to get more out of it yeah and please all right it's just past 6 o'clock so let's stop here and uh, since you are not joining until next friday right isn't yeah. it so we'll try and do something on wednesday we'll just wednesday, carry on yeah, yeah tell I me i just want to about wednesday i'll just stop the recording this